Hello, welcome to the next episode, if you know what I mean. How's everybody doing? Hopefully good. Uh, it's been just over a month since my last episode, maybe under a month, just a little, little around there. Um, it's like dead zone for the Pacers as far as I don't think there's been any roster moves. Uh, there really hasn't been a ton of news outside of just like Duarte and Goga and um, Buddy Heald playing in the uh, Euro League or Euro Cup, whatever. Uh, and that's kind of just like, well, I don't know. That's that's I did. I did. I'm so, you know, I'm looking for this stuff all the time. It's like I uh, I did watch some Chris Duarte stuff. And definitely, uh, you know, it looks good. Duarte looks good, man. I'm excited to see Duarte this year. Um, but, you know, he's not, the, he's not the guy I want to talk about mostly tonight. Uh, when I was thinking about what was the most interesting thing to me about the Pacers, I just, you know, I kind of already talked about Tyrese a lot. Um, and then last episode with, kind of the, the team and how they might perform. And uh, with this one, I just was like, I'm going all all in again, doubling down at the table for Benedict Matherin. And I'm interested to just to kind of, I just wanted to think about what Benedict Matherin's rookie season, you know, might be like. What are like, what are some questions that I have that I'm, I can't wait to see how he plays and and you start to get answers and start to fill in fill in the blanks as to what kind of basketball player he's going to be at the NBA level. And uh, uh, one of the questions that I had, what I have is is I can't wait to see, you know, how does Matherin's athleticism and his style of play, like his uh, his kind of dominator energy that he plays with on the court, combined with his athleticism, how does that translate against NBA players during NBA regular season games? You know, is he does it still sh- does it still shine as bright as it as it does or did? You know, when he was in college and the three games that we got to see him in the summer league, because. That's a big part of, I think, the case that the case that uh, Halliburton has to have his name spoke. Yes, Tyrese Halliburton, <laughs> uh, Matherin. You know, it's like the case for him to be a foundational piece on this team. A lot of that relies on his ability athletically because he's got stuff that you can't teach. You know, most guys don't look like that or jump like that. Uh, And you pair that with, you know, this swagger that he plays with and this, what I said, dominator energy where he's out there looking to kill people on the court. And that's a deadly combination. And that's why when I watched some of like in the draft process, when I was watching his college games and I only, I mean, great. I watched like two or three games, but it was like, that's the thing that jumped out the page to me was just, the intensity that he plays the game with and the relentlessness that he has at just like wanting to win. And he was doing it in Arizona. I think, I mean, Arizona, I believe I knew they were number one seed. They may have been like the number one overall seed. So it's like, 
They didn't have as much success in the tournament as you would have liked, even though Matherin played great. You can't really, you know, it's not like I'm blaming that on him, but I will credit him here with the the team success during the year. And that makes his, it kind of like that fuels that fire, which is his bravado. If the team's winning, then, you know, his, the energy that, that I feel like Matherin plays with at his best is, is enhanced by that. Um, so a big question that I have is like, what is, is he able to still play with that energy and that type of athleticism against NBA players and still make those types of impacts? Or does the talent, the, the, the level of the talent pool and the size and the speed of the NBA game and the NBA players kind of bring him back down to earth a little bit more where all of a sudden he doesn't look like this, you know, thoroughbred uh, athlete on the basketball court. Um, I think that, you know, this is a big reason why I want to see Matherin ultimately play shooting guard next to Halliburton is just because I feel like when you put him at the three, like he might be able to get by and it may be good. And even this rookie season, I kind of get it. Like maybe, I don't know. It's it. I just think that having Matherin at the two uh, in, encourages him, incentivizes him to use that athleticism against other twos, you know, more so than playing up against a little bit bigger wings and stuff with the threes. I think that could be an advantage for Matherin is having the athletic advantage against his matchups most nights if you've got him slotted as that two guard. Um, but yeah, athletically, what, is, what does he look like in the NBA game? Is he able to is he able to stay with the better athletes on the defensive end? Like, is he, you know, and then also is he able to get by defenders on offense? And uh, what does he look like in transition athletically? I can't wait to see some alley-oops, some some Matherin, you know, threes in transition. Uh, I just can't wait to see Halliburton and Matherin run in the court next year. Even if the Pacers are going to be losing a lot of games, like that is one thing that's going to be really fun uh to to watch um so yeah that dominator energy that Matherin plays with and has kind of embodied you know talking about being the best player of the nba um and then you know that's what he wanted that's what he wants to do um i can't wait to see how good that looks when things are going good next year for him you know when he's making shots Let's say the Pacers are winning. Um, I can't wait to see how much talking shit and pounding his chest and just getting in guys uh, on the other team, that bringing that toughness, kind of that alpha mentality, um, bringing that to the court. How good does that look? You know, I remember in Summer League, he was talking to Keegan Murray. Uh, giving him some, you know, just giving him some shit. Um, I like that. I like that Mal- that Matherin plays that way. Uh, it makes him more entertaining to watch. And so it's going to be interesting to see if he gets in any beef with any other players, you know. I think a, a rivalry with Matherin and Jaden Ivey would be pretty cool, just like right off the bat. Uh, and I think, yeah, the Pacers play Detroit, um, one of the first three, 
game, I think the third game of the season. So we're going to get to see that matchup right away. And um, I don't know. I don't know if there'll be a rivalry or not, but in my head there is. Um, Who else? Like, I don't know who else uh, Matherin might see himself. I want to see him, you know, go up against the best shooting guards uh, in the league, like the matchups with Devin Booker and, you know, now Cleveland Cavaliers getting Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine, all these guys in our conference here. Obviously see him against Anthony Edwards. Like, just seeing Matherin go up against the top guys in the league at that position, how does he hold his own? And what happens to his, is he able to play with that kind of swagger and like that athleticism against these types of players? Or, you know, and it's going to be tough as a rookie to do that. Um, You know, I want to know, does he, is he able to play with that swagger that he had in summer league the entire season? Or does he start the season with it and then kind of gets it like beat out of him by the end of the season. And we have like a different kind of player um, where you almost, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, not that Matherin wouldn't be a good player still, but and is he, you know, it, it's hard to explain what really what I'm thinking here. It's like, just that, just that, conf, that cockiness and confidence that he places on the court, like, how else can he still be impactful and, and give us signs that he can be a, a, you know, a number one guy on a team potentially, you know, as a rookie, like, it, cause I'm not going to want to see him like, you know, necessarily talking shit when the Pacers are down by 20, that's not very tasteful. Um, but anyways, I, I I'm kind of not really going anywhere with that one. It just, uh, does he does he does he have that same confidence at the end of the season as we've seen so far? And uh, I hope he does. Obviously, so far he showed up. He was awesome in the summer league. Three games, you know, he put up 19 points a game in 22 minutes. Like he he was awesome. He had a game with 10 free throws. He was hitting threes. He had some highlight dunks. You know, he threw. He told Duarte, "Throw that shit off the glass, man. I'm gonna go get it and dunk it." And like. He brought it in summer league. I'm so fired up to see this guy play. And so, uh, so yeah, I just want to know, how does that stuff translate? And that dominator energy and the, uh, you know, the athleticism. Another question, how, how does Benedict handle adversity? You know, because I think we're probably going to see, definitely going to see that him being a rookie and the team and the amount of wins that we're probably going to get this year. Uh, how does he look? when he's having a bad, a bad game or a bad stretch of games or a really tough matchup, uh, you know, against one of those guys I mentioned earlier or something, or somebody's giving him a ton of problems and he's not getting anything going offensively. How does he impact the team still uh, on those off nights? Um, and how, to, not just on the court, but also like off the court, what, what is, how does he affect team chemistry when it's not going well for Benedict? Hopefully, you know, Benedict can roll with the punches. I'm sure he's had bad games before. I'm not, I'm not, like, I'm not suggesting or expecting him to be some sort of kind of like self implosion on the court and, and make the team terrible because he's not having a good night. But I do think you see some players that are, um, I think I've said this about, about Miles Turner before, which is like, Sometimes I feel like it doesn't matter really how the game is going. It's he's playing almost the game just like for him, like himself. And it's all just about how he's playing. 
Um, like if Turner gets three or four, like if he starts, if he gets a good stretch of blocks and pair that with a couple threes or, you know, like he's, he's hit a couple shots. It's like, you get a, you get a totally different player than if he starts off slow and like doesn't get a couple calls or maybe, you know, like, I feel like, um, that's like a weakness that some players might have. And I hope that that's not the case for Matherin. Um, and I think we'll get, he'll get that test when, you know, he does have those bad games. So I'm just kind of looking to, I'm looking forward to seeing how he reacts, uh, to adversity in the season. Um, and just like, what kind of teammate is he when he's struggling? That to me, that's almost more than anything. It's like one, you want to see, can he, like, how can he impact the game positively without his scoring? Um, even though you're never going to completely take it away because he's like a th- he's going to be a threat. He's going to have gravity on the offensive end. But like, um, how? I don't know. Just like, um, where was I going with that? I don't know. We're going to move on to the next one. How, how does he handle adversity? That's that's the main question. Um, Here's the big one, and this is the one that I had the most fun kind of thinking about, is will he be the Pacers' primary scoring option next season? Um, it seems like a lot to, to, to say, um, but specifically, I mean, will he lead the team in field goal attempts? I know that Halliburton, to me, it's like, okay, if I could pick who's going to lead the team in, sh- in field goal attempts next year, I would say that Halliburton is our is our is probably our best offensive player. He is our best offensive player. I the only person I would put in front of him would be Matherin. So, and Matherin is completely unproven. So I would definitely say Halliburton. Uh, Halliburton aver- with the Pacers last year, he averaged twelve shots a game. And in the episode I did earlier this year about Halliburton. Um, you know, I think he's probably going to be gunning for more shots this year, uh, for sure. At 14, for sure. I think I saw, or maybe I came up with the number 16, um, 16 field goal attempts, an increase of, you know, one per quarter for Halliburton next year to average. That's still not really like that many shots. And Benedict, you know, in the summer league, he put up 14 shots. He averaged 14 shots in 22 minutes of action. So he's gunning. And, and whenever I was watching Benedict in the summer league, I never felt, I never, I don't remember feeling like I didn't want him to shoot the ball when he did. So that tells you, you know, he's getting good looks. Um, and he's staying aggressive out there doing what he does best. So I go back, you know, it's like the Pacers, this is, this was it, you know, like, it's not that we're never going to have a, a good draft pick again, but we got our guy. We got we got the sixth pick. I think we got lucky in the fact that Mathern was available there, like that level of talent at the sixth pick. I don't know if there's always that much talent at that pick. Um, but what does he do? He scores the ball. We got we've got a pass for, pass first point guard in Tyrese Halliburton. Get him some weapons. I think you know Mathern is the weapon, and I am on camp of I'm on the camp of saying like next year Matherin shoots the ball like he's our guy um now obviously other guys are going to get touches but 
I want Matherin to play his game. Like I'd rather see Matherin get those shot attempts um, than not. Like, you know, but so the question is, will he lead the team in field goal attempts next year? I think it's going to be close between him and Tyrese. Um, But I could certainly see it being Benedict. And I kind of hope that's the case. And if it's, if it's not Tyrese, not Benedict, who else? You know, it's like Dorte or Jalen Smith, maybe Buddy Heald, Miles Turner. Um, definitely not. I mean, Dor- maybe you could convince me Dorte um, at this point deserves the same consideration that you'd give Matherin um, as far as shot attempts as like level of player. But I don't see it. I, I, I want to see uh, I want it to go to Matherin. Um and so I'm going to operate under the assumption that he's going to be leading the team in field goal attempts next year. And what does that look like? Um, you know, he, I like the fact that he can like hunt, hunt for three point shots. Uh, I feel like coming off screens. Um, what was this? Uh, I, I found a stat from his days with Arizona. Um, so he, he, oh, here it is. Yeah. Of all the shots that Matherin took, 46% of his were three-pointers. So basically, you know, it's either a three or obviously it's either three or not a three. But like, yeah, he's shooting a lot of his shot attempts are coming from the three-point line. And he shot 37%, which is really good uh, for that many threes. Plus the way that he does it, his shot-making ability. He knocks down a lot of contested shots and... um, what does that look like in the NBA next season? Does he continue to, to be able to hit tough shots and get dunks on people and, you know, hit and ones? Um, I want to see it. I want to see Matherin being ultra aggressive next year for the Pacers alongside with Halliburton. Um, and so I'm not going to be judging him necessarily on like his field goal percentage or his three-point field goal percentage. I would rather just see this year be a year where Matherin just goes and hunts and, um, you know, plays free, play, plays loose. Um, I was, I went back and I was, I was watching some interviews of Matherin and the interview he did with the Pacers organization the day after being drafted. Um, he mentioned, you know, one of the things that he can bring to the organization or what he does bring as a player is leadership on and off the court. Uh, so I'm wondering, you know, what does that look like for him as a rookie? Uh, is he communicating well with the other players? Um, is he taking the tough shots? Like, is he our go-to guy at the end of games? Or, you know, it's probably, maybe, it may be more of a committee, uh, type approach, but is Mather getting calls, you know, is he getting the ball called to go into his hands, uh, next season? And what's he doing with those opportunities? Um, and how does he react when they go in? And how does he react when they don't? Um, another huge, another huge part of how or of of Matherin leading the team in field goal attempts is does Tyrese Halliburton buy into Benedict being the number one option next year? You know, um, in my world, in my fantasy world, it's like I think he does, and. I think that Halliburton liked Matherin in the draft. I think he was happy that the Pacers got him. And I think if he did any like research on how or on Matherin, he would know what type of player he is and what types of strength he has. And I think Tyrese definitely 
he knows, I'm sure he knows Matherin's game, you know, well. And he probably thought, thought this would be an awesome guy to run with in the open court and to have on my offense that I can, that I can look to get open. How, uh, Matherin's already really good at moving without the ball. And uh, I like to think that, that Halliburton is like maybe just as excited to elevate Matherin's game as he is to elevate his own. Okay, I think we might be onto something there because it's like that's that is the type of leadership from Halliburton that could translate to creating a team and a culture that is championship contending worthy, I think. That that's the type of kind of like selfishness and kind of confidence at the same time, because it's like, I think Halliburton can do both. I think he can go after his 20 and 10 while building his teammates up and, and making these guys, you know, make it so that at the end of the season, all their arrows are pointing up like, oh, this was a successful year for Jalen Smith you know, or Isaiah Jackson, or especially Ben Matherin, especially if you realize Ben Matherin is the highest pick player on our team, you know, and Matherin is why we were fine with, you know, sucking so bad last year. Like we got it. We got our, we got a talent and now we need Halliburton to just water that plant every single day. And it's like, it probably hampers Halliburton's, you know, maybe he could be at looking at it more from like, oh, man, you know, like this is my team and I'm glad Ben's here and like, you know, but he's a rookie or whatever. Like, this is my team. Like it's, 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 it's what I, it's what, it's, it's what I'm doing and not, not be aware of, of, you know, how great it would be for the team if, Matherin just like shoots off like a rocket and I wonder next season how much is about Tyrese and Benedict Matherin's success not just Tyrese Halliburton's success um because I I mean I think it's like around the league any podcast you listen to or whatever even like people that don't just follow the Pacers you know everyone's pretty high on Tyrese Halliburton um you know, uh, I was listening to, I was going deep, trying to find, like looking for new material to listen to about like the Pacers. And I found this podcast called Hardwood Knox. And they just released a two part series on the best, or they ranked the backcourts in the NBA. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's exactly what I want to listen to. Like what, what, number one, where do they rank the Pacers? And then what do they say about the Pacers? And um, I didn't have to wait too long. They had the Pacers ranked 25th out of the 30 teams. And this was um, for this was for going into next season alone. So not like projecting how good they're going to be three years from now. Um, so they, they had the Pacers above like the Rockets who have, you know, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter. Um, they had our, they had they had us above. That was the main team that I was proud to be above. Uh, but we were below Detroit with Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey still. But anyways, 
so they had they had us ranked 25th in the backcourt, Halliburton and Matherin. Um, but they went on to talk about, and this is what I found interesting, was when they went on to talk about uh, Benedict Matherin, they said one of, one of the guys was like, you know, Matherin is, is a dark horse rookie of the year candidate because of, uh, one, his ability, and two, the opportunity that he's going to have next year with the Pacers. That ties, I mean, I'm talking about giving him a ton of opportunity if he's going to lead the team in shots, shot attempts, you know. Uh, so that would go pair well with what this guy's saying. And then, uh, you know, so that was super exciting to hear somebody else as high as, uh, you know, what I like to get when it comes to Benedict Matherin. And then also Tyrese Halliburton, because this guy was talking about uh, Tyrese Halliburton, like he's an all-NBA player. He's going to be an all-NBA player in his career. It's pretty, you know, and so right there, and that's, you know, that's just two opinions. Um, but it's nice to hear opinions that, you know, kind of make you feel good and, and uh, go along with kind of what you're hoping. Um, so, you know, Matherin with those rookie of the year predictions right now, he's fifth. I looked that up on um, that was or no, actually, I just looked it up like a couple of days ago. So it's, it's I think that's probably these are probably still good odds. But he was fifth in in rookie of the year vote or odds with uh, um, behind Paulo Bancaro, Keegan Murray, Jabari Smith. Junior and Jaden Ivey. He Ben was fifth, um, and so you know next year does he jump anyone? I definitely think he could, especially. Uh, I think him and I think he could win the Ivy battle this year. Um, I think he could win against Jabari Smith, and I think that Keegan Murray, you know, has an opportunity to be on a decent team with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, but he'll probably be playing a little bit smaller role. So like Matherin could jump him. So now you're just left for Paolo Bancaro. And, you know, I would certainly probably give it to, I would give it to Paolo right now. Um, but that's why you play the game. So he's right there. Like I could see him doing it. Um, so that'll be something kind of fun to watch out for. And um, speaking of, does he jump anyone? Uh, this is kind of like, the way I see the Pacers team now, it's like you've got Halliburton out there by himself. And then he's kind of looking around like, who's coming with me? And I think the first island is that one with Matherin, Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, and Jalen Smith. And hopefully after next season, Matherin has separated himself off of island two onto island one with Halliburton, where you're like, oh, yeah. You know, he's not he's not going to be ready yet to be like for the Pacers to be good, like, you know, right away. But he shows that he he can do that. And he shows that he's like a better player because we're not going to the chances of all four of those guys on Island two being awesome are low. But maybe we hit on two, you know, or, or three. And um, Matherin, I'm hoping to see separation between him and the other young guys on our team. And uh, and he he kind of starts to go more with Halliburton. Does he show potential to grow into a number one scoring option on a contender? So is it out of the question that he can put up 25 points a game three seasons from now after watching him in his rookie season? Because I still think that that's where his best trajectory lies is him being he's a scorer. He's got to score the ball and he does it. at You know, he he can be elite. 
hopefully in scoring. Um, so I'm sure I let's go 25, 25 plus points a game. And Halliburton just feeds the meter for their, both of their careers. Um, that's a, that's a big, big lofty goal. If that, if, if, if Matherin is able to develop into a player that can average 25 points a game and he can main, you know, he, uh, becomes like the number one scoring option for a team that has a chance to win a championship. That's a, that, that would be a slam dunk pick for the Pacers at number six this past season. Uh, you know, I, I, we would still have a lot to work with too. Um, and so just nailing this Matherin pick was, is just going to be so awesome if, if, that's, if that's what we feel like at the end of the season. But for a big, for a big lofty goal of you know, being the number one scoring option on a really good team, what does Matherin currently have working for him that can propel him into that role? Um, I thought, you know, he's really, he's mature for a rookie. So going into next season, he may not play quite as bad as a lot of rookies do. You know, he, he's a guy that's been taking basketball. These, all these, all these players take it seriously, but like Matherin moved away from his family when he was 16, he moved to a different country you know, to, to pursue basketball. Uh, one or two years, maybe two years, I think, in, in Mexico, in the MBDL. Um, MBDL, I don't know if that's what it's called. It's the NBA Development League, maybe. But he goes to Arizona. He plays two seasons there, and he gets better every year. And he could have come out as a freshman, he was going to be a back-end first-rounder. They said, hey, work on X, Y, and Z. He goes back. He works on it religiously. He shows the improvements. He goes sixth in the next year's draft. Um, how does he grow in this rookie season? Like, how much better of a player can he be the second half of the season than the first half? And then, like, even towards the very end of the season, you know, then Christmas time. Just, I can't wait to see the different, like, the improvements in Matherin's game throughout the year. Um, and hopefully he's able to, uh, you know, grow from these, grow from this experience positively and, and it's not a negative season. Um, you know, he's, he's young, he just turned 20 in June and he's got the physical tools that, you know, most guys dream of. And so you can't teach that those two factors, you know, that that's something that he's got going for him in order to be an elite level player. He's a hard worker from what, from what we've seen from the stories, um, from the draft workout with Rick Carlisle or pre-draft workout. Um, he seems to be like, it seems like he's in Indianapolis all summer. I mean, the Pacers are always posting pictures of him working out in the gym. Um, you know, the whole team really, I was just, I just saw the Pacers yesterday, uh, the, the past few days they've been tweeting out, pictures of the guys working out. And it's like, I noticed, so you don't, I don't, you don't have to come back to Indiana until training camp starts, which I, I don't even know if there's a date that's actually been officially set. I've heard late September. So, you know, this is, it's the 13th. So we're probably at least two weeks, a week, week and a half away from when the training camp might start. And you've already got Tyrese Halliburton, Isaiah Jackson, Chris Duarte, um, you know, Matherin, Terry Taylor, McConnell, Andrew Nimhard, Kendall Brown, Aaron Neesmith, all these guys were pictured. 
Actually, Matherin wasn't pictured, but he's been there. He might not be there right now. I don't know. Um, but still, the point being that this team, that's a bunch of guys to be there, you know, a week and a half early for training camp. Um, they're hungry. And Halliburton is there, you know, um, and seems like Matherin is there. So he's got that going for him. He's got, he's in a good culture. He's got a great opportunity with the Pacers and to have Tyrese Halliburton in the backcourt with him. This young core, it's a great opportunity for Matherin. Um, and maybe the number one thing that he's got going for him is he has, he has the confidence to be the best player. And you know, you, you're not going to achieve something that you don't believe you can achieve. And so this is a guy that wants to be the best player in the NBA. And that is a prerequisite for being the best player in the NBA. You, you have to, you have to want that and you have to believe in that. And so I'm rooting for him, man. Double zero. I, I, you know, I still haven't decided on what Jersey I'm going to get. Um, I'm, I'm, probably going to eventually owning both of these guys jersey but it's like it's down to Halliburton or Matherin and I just don't know yet I'm waiting to see if the Pacers come out with a new uh you know some new uniforms for this next season that'd be nice I'm, I'm just I'm tired of the of the navy and the white and that ba- it's it was fine but it was it was the old era man we need a new we need a we need something new we need to change it up um Speaking of changing it up, so that was that, that was my piece on Matherin. He's going for the top. Um, we're all witnesses, you know. <laughs> so speaking of changing it up, I wanted to hit another thing that I find interesting about this Pacers team right now going into next season is what's going on with Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Uh, there's the trade rumors are all they've been circulating all year or not all year, all summer. Um I, I I just I would like to see this be over, and uh, but there's pros to Biles Turner and Buddy Heald being on the roster, and I also think there's cons. I would lean towards I I just would almost see this as, and this is not a good way to run a business, but almost like addition by subtraction, and just like let's just get the deal done and get these guys somewhere else and whatever we get is is good and live with it but i understand if you can get something better by you know being patient making sure you're making the the best trade for for the assets that you have i get it um however i don't i don't love that option i'd rather just go straight young all young all development all season um i'd rather start the season that way but there are pros if if uh, Miles Turner is on the Pacers to start the season, we get a look at, you know, quote unquote, unleashed Miles Turner. It's going to be a contract year. He is entering the prime of his career at age of 26. He wants a pay raise, which I looked, you know, that's a, it was a fishy article because I'm like, he wants a pay raise. And it was talking about 20s. And I knew he made almost 20. Well, he's making 18 million a year on his current contract, essentially. And this article was talking about him making 20. So it's like, that's not, I mean, I don't think that's that crazy. Uh, Regardless, Turner could have a great season with Halliburton. Um, 
Buddy's a great floor spacer, heat check guy. He's fun to watch. I like Buddy Heald. Um, he's a friend of Tyrese, you know, Sacramento Kings backcourt mates. And Buddy seems fine. If, you know, if they come and they're on the team and they start or whatever they do, they're going to be getting minutes. Um, and it, but if it, if they play well and it increases their trade value or, you know, maybe something completely crazy happens and it's like Turner looks awesome and we decide like re-sign Turner and, you know, I, I'm not saying, I don't, I think that's a very low possibility of happening, but, um, you know, I'm just a fan looking at it from the outside. Uh, it's still a possibility. I would think that, that, that Turner might be on the team, you know, past next season I don't not necessarily think I would like that, but um, maybe. Who knows? Um, if it increases their trade value and we end up getting you know more draft picks or a younger ass like a like a young player that that develops that we can watch develop into something, you know maybe the sacrifice uh, which is goes into the con of having Turner and Heald on the roster, the sacrifice being that they're eating up uh, developmental minutes and developmental shots. Um, on this team and I would just rather see the young guys do it uh, last season Turner and Heald combined for 24 shot attempts a game Pacers averaged 90 shot attempts a game so you know they're taking over 25% of the shots just imagine if they weren't here then you get to distribute that amongst everyone else all of a sudden you know throw Tyrese a couple of those throw Mal Halliburton or Ty- throw Tyrese throw Matherin Jalen Smith, Duarte, all those guys getting a couple more shots and more minutes. Um, you know, and I even I think that if if Heald and Turner are on the team, um, like the guys that I really want to see play are still going to get minutes, like Duarte and and Jackson, Matherin. Those guys are, and and Jalen Smith. Those guys are going to get minutes even with Heald and and Turner, but. Guys like Terry Taylor, um, Aaron Neesmith, you know, maybe even O'Shea Brissett. I don't see them getting nearly as many minutes or opportunity with those guys on the team. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing those guys, especially with the team that we have now. And we just want to be, we really don't care if we win games. It's just about playing how we want to play and playing the players and developing the players that we want to play long-term. So I don't know. I know you got to do what you got to do with this, uh, with, with Turner and healed. So I'm not going to be upset either way. Like if they're on the team to start the season, I'm going to be, I'm still going to be as excited. I'm still going to be excited to watch this team play. Um, but I would just prefer <laughs> that they weren't <laughs> on the team. So um, last thing is we're getting close preseason opener, October 5th. So we're talking, you know, three or four weeks away from the Pacers being in action and they're going against the Hornets. So we're going to get to see, you know, LaMelo ball and, um, it will be preseason. So we won't want to, you know, judge too much, but at the same time, I know that LaMelo Ball is one of the players that I feel like Tyrese Halliburton is in the same class as. So that'll be a good one to, uh, to kind of keep a matchup to keep our eye on. 
Um, super pumped. And it's going to be here before we know it, folks. I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of your week. And hang in there because uh, Pacers will be back in action soon. Thank you for checking out my podcast. And that will be all. Have a good one. Peace.